Previously on Wove Inspiration. One of the area that I'm so passionate about, though, is um, buying Black, supporting Black. Mm-hmm. And I believe that wherever we can buy Black, we should do so. And I don't think that it is always convenient. I don't think that it's always inexpensive to do so. But I think we need to look for those opportunities. And I think we need to be conscious when it comes to buying Black. This is Wove Inspiration. Here to inspire, encourage, and uplift. Good morning, good morning. This is Althea with Wove Inspiration's Monday Morning Motivation. And I am so excited to be able to interview this special guest. We were actually able to meet each other in a workshop that we participated in on speaking. Oh, that was an experience to say the least. But we made it through and I am so excited to have her on my show today. Her name is Tiana Bagley or better known as Coach T-Bag. How you doing, Tiana? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, as she said, my name is Tiana Bagley, and I'm an author, a new author. I'm a coach. Yay! And I'm a speaker. So um, I was a veteran in the military, in the Air Force, for eight years. I have four kids. Um, I work at a domestic violence sexual assault shelter, so, and I'm an abuse recovery coach, which I help women survivors that's ready to leave their relationship and people that have re- left their relationship recover from abuse, live their amazing lives, and make healthier life decisions. All right. So, and you're also the founder of Fresh Start Recovery, which is your abuse recovery coaching business. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I don't get that part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She's doing it for the survivors and helping those women overcome domestic violence. So, and you said you do, you're working for an agency. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So how did you actually get involved in uh, being a domestic violence advocate? Well, it first started when I never thought that I would even be an advocate. I was going through a domestic violent relationship, and one of my life coaches at the time told me that my purpose was around the my biggest secret, something, my biggest, darkest secret, something that I was going through, something I didn't want to tell anybody, and it was that I didn't. I wasn't ready to admit that I was in a domestic violence relationship at the time, but my biggest secret was that my third cousin had raped me when I was 13 years old. So the more she worked with me, the more I started to say, you know, like I'm in a dom- domestic violence relationship. And she said, that's your purpose. That's it. And I was like, um, this can't be it because I don't want to tell that story to nobody. That's horrific. That's something that needs to be kept in the closet, mm-hmm. kept under the rug a secret that I need to die with. But she ensured me that God was telling her that that was it. 
And so I kind of just move from there. And every time I'll put it to the back or on the back burner or not worry about that and move on and do something else, it'll always come back to the forefront for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I finally, at the beginning of this year, I finally said, this is what I'm going to do. I was already working the job. I had been at the job for a year. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. This is my calling. Like, I see it. I do it every day. Like, I love it. It's my passion. It's my purpose. So I finally accepted it. And when I accepted it, things just began to manifest. So um, with the individuals that you work with um, as a recovery coach, you're able to share your experience to a certain extent so that they know that you uh, understand exactly where the, where they are at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So with your, with your ministry, uh, not ministry, but with your organization, Fresh Start Recovery, what are some of the situations that you have been able to, to, as far as the women, how have you been able to help them? Mainly I've been doing so far just one-on-one. Okay. But, um, because I was really focused on getting my book out and working on that and getting it out before October because that's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I wanted that to kind of be my lunch pad. So, yeah, I put everything on the back burner until I got this book out, until I birthed this book. And now I want to go into doing workshops and conferences and women empowerment groups and things like that now. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about this book. And the name of her book is A Girl You Know, A Survivor's Memoir. What made you decide to even go ahead and write a book? Going back to that same life coach, she spoke that into me. (laughs) I was thinking I didn't have the capability, the ability, the thought process, or anything to be an author. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what God is telling her, but this can't be right. Like, <laughs> so um, I had wrote half of it about my cousin um, raping me. I wrote that part a long time ago, probably about mm, five or six years ago. So when I had someone to edit it, because I was like, okay, this is it. This is the book she was talking about. I'm going to get it edited and we're going to put it out, whatever. When the person that I had edited it, she was reading and she was like, I don't like she just came to me. She didn't know how to tell me like, but she finally said that she didn't think it was finished. She didn't think it was ready. She didn't think it was can be put into a book. And that hurt me. Like that was like a stab in the heart. So I was like, whatever. Okay, forget the book thing. I'm not even going to worry about it. So earlier this year. I got, I was praying and God just kept putting it on my heart about writing a book. And the reason why she told me it wasn't finished is because I was still in my domestic, you know, in, in my relationship then. Okay. So I wasn't through it. Mm. So when this year, when I finally decided to write it, I was past my uh, relationship because I left that relationship in December of 2015. And I was healed, recovered, and everything. So I was ready to sit down and write that second part of that book. So when I wrote it and put it on paper, it was all over the place. And I sent it to an editor, and I was like, I don't know what she's going to do with this, but we'll see. She sent it back the first time. We made some corrections. But when she sent it back the second time, oh, my God, 
I could not believe my eyes. I was just crying and reading and snotting everywhere. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing that I had put put my life on paper like that. Yeah. And for me to actually read it, I was it was like me going through it. It was like me reading about somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't believe that this girl had went through this and still survived, still came out on top, still graduated college, still went on to live her purpose and change her life and didn't become a victim of her circumstance. Right, exactly. So, so to me, that was everything. What I like to say, I don't, I, I usually say, um, as opposed to survivor, I call. I would actually call you a thriver because you were able to overcome your to even write it down is is a is a task for people because you're having to remember everything that you went through and try to put it down on paper to the best of your ability like like you, you were saying when right. you started reading it yourself it's like holy cow how in the world was I able to survive this but you did exactly and so the the victory story in that is you you were able to now you're now able to freely share with the people the women that you are working with and 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 help them come out of their situation as well and be able to go forward that so that's awesome that is pretty yeah. cool it's funny that you say that because I was praying I was like Lord how am I gonna write this book and a person had came to me just talking to me at work about journaling. Mm -hmm. And that's when I got the idea to journal everything. And I I prayed, I was like, Lord, I know I suppressed a lot. I know I forgave, I tried to forget, but I need it back. (laughs) If I'm gonna do this book, I need those memories back. And so every day I had a 30 minute lunch break at work, I would get my journal, go outside, because I love the outside. So I would go outside and I would just write for my whole lunch break and remember those memories. And I had to practice a lot of self-care because it was hard. Yeah. It was hard after writing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my God, I forgot about that. Like, And then I was remembering the feelings that came behind it. You know, what I was feeling when I was going through it. So mm-hmm. it took an emotional toll where I had to make sure to come home, take me a bubble bath or just love on my kids or just mm-hmm. do something to take care of myself. Yeah. And that's what I've, I've heard that over and over again by other authors who have um, basically poured them themselves out on paper and, and some of them, when they were done with it, it was like a major healing for them to be able to um, be able to put it out on paper and, and look at it and to see everything that you were able to overcome where normal people would be like looking at it, like how the heck she should be in somebody's mental ward or something. Come on now. It's crazy. So let me ask yes. you something. Um, in the facility that you work with, are there a lot of African American women that are in that come to you uh, for treatment? Yes, there is. Hmm. So to, there is. And and that's one thing that um, has really been put on my heart to really address is. You know, I, domestic violence across the board, whether white, black, Hispanic, whatever the situation is, is a horrible, 
horrible experience. What I'm seeing, though, um, is a trend of more African-American women um, going through the same situations over and over again. It's like a generational thing where mom went through it and then daughter yes. went through it and grandmother went through it and everything. Yes. So where where do you think that um, we as Black women need to um, to start to help change that, that, the face of all of that? I think it's about knowing your worth, yes. loving yourself, and setting boundaries, which you're going to put up with and which you're not going to put up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, where it starts at the core. Yeah. And, and another thing that we, um, we need to be able to do as, as African-American women is be able to support each other. I've had this exactly. conversation with a lot of, un- unfortunately, a lot of people. And the same conversation is, well, when I was raised up, we wasn't supposed to say nothing. If mm-hmm. something happened in the house, we leave it in the house. It goes in my house, stays in my house. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So that particular mindset, that understanding, that, that generational mindset really needs to change because it is not, it's not only affecting you know, our people now, but in the future, their children as well, because of what Mm -hmm. they're seeing. And as far as relationships are concerned, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yes. You are so right about that. Yeah. So what is your formula in, in, because I I know that you said that you're, you're going to be, because you put, you went to the forefront in making sure that your book was finished. What what's your um what's your go to or what what are you going to be doing um, soon once that okay we got the book out now what what's the plan for your for Fresh Start Recovery? Well, Fresh Start Recovery is next. Like that's why I want to start actually having programs for the one on one coaching mm-hmm. and so put myself out there as a motivational empowerment speaker. Okay. So okay. that's something I really want to work on. Okay. And have, have you done any speaking yet? And as far as sharing your story with anyone out in the public? Yes. Oh, okay. I've so how, <laughs> how did that go for you? The first time I did it, I was in tears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was in tears. But the second time I did better. The third time was great. Like mm-hmm. the third time, um, I, I was good. I was good. I owned it. I was good. Just great. I didn't have any, you know, feelings afterward or battling with myself afterwards. So why did I tell those people? I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I told them that. But it, it was just, I think I resonated with them by being authentic and transparent. So, and that was something that I, that I think they appreciated because the more transparent I was to let them know, that's why the name of my book is a girl, you know, because that can be anybody. Mm-hmm. That can be anybody. It don't matter your social status, your gender, what your bank account look like, your age, your race, none of that. A girl, you know, can be anybody. So, and that's something I had to realize, like, it's not about my secrets. It's about resonating with everybody and letting them know that, yeah, I went through this. You're not the only one. 
and you can recover. So that was very important to me. But now, you know, now that I found that out, it's important to me to actually be that way. Yeah. Being transparent helps so much. And it makes yes. it makes it makes it so that it's people can look at it and say, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I went through all of that. But she she did it, too. She was able to get out of it. And I do have a chance to recover. Exactly. That's awesome. So what suggestions do you have for those who may still, at this point, they're listening to this interview. What suggestions do you have for those individuals that may currently be in a abusive relationship? My first suggestion is to stay safe. Like make you a safety plan. If you're not ready to leave now, get you a safety plan and find safe things for you to do. Like if um, for your neighbors, if they see the front porch light on, you know, to call the police. If the kids, if they come in and hear fussing or arguing, find something for them to do or someplace in the house to go where they can at least hear it. You know, mm-hmm. like you just have to pack a bag with all your important stuff because we get a lot of people at the shelter that just ran in the middle of the night while he was sleeping and you don't have no ID, no social, you don't have anything, no birth certificate, nothing. I mean, people can leave like that, but just be prepared. Yeah, definitely be prepared with any documentation, um, a a family member or, or, well, can't really tell all your family members everything. Exactly. (laughs) Stay next to the door when you're arguing, when you know he's coming in and about to argue, stay next to the door so you can have your escape mop, escape, mm -hmm. you know, out the the house, out the door. Mm -hmm. Keep your extra pair of keys somewhere. Like tell tell somebody what's going on. Take pictures, get your proof, and send it to a, a email address that he don't know the password to. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. make sure that you are covered and that you have everything that you need. So once you get out of there, then you can start fresh and 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 you exactly. won't have to have so much to have to recover as far as your identity. If you don't take anything exactly. else with you make sure that you take your identification with you so you can then be able to go forward from that point on. Yeah. Yeah. Good. good and what I see from a, a lot of um, people that aren't U S citizens, they hold that away from you. They keep that away from you mm. on purpose wow. just to have that control over you. So just try to leave with something. And um, one lady just came, she came with an expired passport, but this was something with her picture and her name on it, you know, to say yeah. who she is. Yeah. Yeah. How does it that, how do you work with individuals that um, may be uh, immigrants and don't really have a whole lot of identification? We have, we send them to service resources that work with them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they help them get what they need. Okay. You know, we have the, we have certain resources that we work with, but if we can't do it on our end, we have other outside resources that we work closely with. Yeah. Cuz I know a lot of times um uh with immigrants, they with women in particular that are immigrants, they'll stay in the relationship because of the fact that they don't even want they fear more being deported than anything. Mm-hmm instead of trying to find um, um, help. So with your organization, it sounds as though that you may, it doesn't even matter what 
their their status is as long as they can get help that's what's most important yep exactly exactly well i'm glad to hear that i really do (laughs) i'm really glad to hear that exactly yes so how can people reach how can people reach me my email address is fresh start recover at gmail.com you can find me on facebook at t-a-j-a-n-a bagley b-a-g-l-e-y and you can find my book on amazon you can search my name also t-a-j-a-n-a bagley b-a-g-l-e-y yes definitely get the book because i believe that it is going to make a major difference in your life and make a major change in your mindset that this woman of god survived and she is now not not a, not only not no longer a survivor but she is a thriver as i like to say and that is an awesome thing so tiana it has been an awesome pleasure and honor to have you on my show today do you have any last words for the listening audience no ma'am All right. Well, this is Althea with Wove Inspiration, Monday Morning Motivation. You guys have an awesome day and God bless. Thank you so much for taking time out to listen to Wove Inspiration. If you'd like to follow us, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at W-O-V-E Inspiration. If you want to leave a comment or question, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, email us at woveinspiration at gmail.com. This is Althea Richardson. I hope everyone has an awesome day and keep moving forward.